I'm Shadi Sharif, and this is Cyborg. There's an old story that a woman went out to her farm and found a huge pumpkin had grown. And she went down to try to pull it out, but it was so heavy that it wouldn't budge. So she called out to her husband to come out, and he held on to her, and together they tried to pull it out, but it still wouldn't move. So they called out to their son to come out, and the son held on to them, and all three of them pulled, but the pumpkin wouldn't budge. So they called out to his sister, and his sister came out, and all four of them tried to pull, but the pumpkin still wouldn't budge. So they called over to their neighbor, and their neighbor came over, and all five of them held on and pulled and pulled, and then all of a sudden the pumpkin came out, and they all fell over laughing. One of the most important aspects of human life is having a community around you. But what happens if a person goes to a place where they have no one? In today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with my childhood friend, Nissa Farr, to discuss the sense of belonging and the power community holds for our future. So Nessa, welcome to Cyborg. Thank you for having me. So maybe we could start off with you giving a little background on yourself, who you are, who your family is, and where you come from. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I grew up here in Colorado. I feel like I had an awesome childhood. I was a happy kid, and um, my parents are incredible. Um, I do come from a family of immigrants. Both of my parents moved to America when they were quite young. My dad was um, about 17 when he came to the States, around 75. Um, And my mom fled from Iran as a refugee when she was 21 during the revolution in 1979. Um, And so they both came to the United States separately and faced a lot of religious persecution as Baha'is in Iran. And so I think that impacted my childhood a lot and how I grew up here. And, you know, they were really, my experience um, was really shaped by my parents, um, but was also informed by the community that I grew up in. Um, Having a lot of close family friends and kids my age in my community was amazing. Um, So, yeah. I love that. So you mentioned that the community you grew up in really shaped who you are. And I think that the word community is a broad term that can mean so many different things depending on the context. So I'm curious what exactly you mean when you say community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think um, part of growing up in a... You, part of it's just being in an, in, in an Iranian community, but then also... Um, for me and my identity, so to speak, is really informed by being part of the Baha'i community. And they would have a lot of like classes for kids and like spaces where we'd be together every week. And I think that really helped me when I was a kid. Um, one, just not feel so alone because sometimes it feels that way when you're in school or in your neighborhood and other spaces. Um, but I felt a really strong sense of support for my, not just my material education, like for school, but also for my like moral and spiritual education because those are equally as important um, especially when you're a kid and you're learning and trying to understand how society works um, and so I think having kind of a strong group of like f- kids who were my age that I could grow up with um, but then also like adults that I could look up to and aspire to like 
when I think about who raised me, it's for sure my parents, like primarily. Mm -hmm. But then I also think about some really key individuals who were really close friends with us who made a really strong impact in my life and helped me become who I am today or like the way I think about the world and just different perspectives um, has a lot to do with uh, the community that I was in and, and growing up with. Exactly. I definitely agree that the community you grow up in really informs your development. And I love that you're mentioning that on the one hand, there was this Iranian community that you were connected to. But also on the other hand, there was this Baha'i community that you were connected to. And for those who don't know, Baha'i is a world religion. And what's really interesting is that when psychologists have looked at immigrant families, they find that adolescents specifically who are being raised in the U.S., they turn to their religious communities as a safe space for, yes, spiritual connection, but also just for social connection and more specifically, cultural connection. And I can definitely say from personal experience that my motivating factor of being involved in the Baha'i community was, yes, because my mom was Baha'i and she put me in the same children's classes as you. That's actually where Nessa and I met. (laughs) And even though I am not a particularly religious person and even during those classes as a (laughs) seven-year-old, I would uh, question things that were taught to me and I was argumentative and (laughs) maybe not the uh, Sunday school teacher's favorite student. Um, But I wanted to continue to go because it was a place where I felt safe and I felt like I could be completely myself. Because I remember going to school and primarily being surrounded with white Americans that look very different than me and also just have a very different cultural upbringing than me. And I turned to these children's classes or these youth groups or just in general, this community as a place where I could express my culture and practice my culture. So I'm curious what your faith meant to you then and what it means to you today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so for some context, um, because I don't know if everybody knows about the Baha'i faith, but to put it really simply, like the Baha'i faith is a world religion whose fundamental principle or message is the unity of mankind. And so Baha'i is put put into practice principles of unity Um, and try to just make communities and ultimately the world a better place in really practical ways. Um, And so for me, I think think about how my parents really instilled values of faith in me, but I think to a certain extent, you have to take ownership of it for yourself, right? So my faith is not my faith because it was my parents. It's because I investigated whatever the truth I felt like was for myself, and that's just what I believe, right? And, th- and then I want to put those values into practice, right? Because um, you can see positive effects of it. Um, and I think faith itself, for me at least, it's almost like this little spark or like a little fire, a kindle that needs to be continually nurtured um, because it requires constant effort. And you can, you know, say all the prayers you want and learn as much as you want, but to me, alone, that alone isn't enough. You have to be able to apply what you're learning and put it into practice and learn about it in the context of a community and the way we interact with people and contribute to society in some way. Um, so for me, a lot of what faith is, is 
it gives me a sense of purpose and it helps me understand what the truth is um, because you hear so many messages in society about opinions and, and just it and a lot of the times it can be very divisive and so for me at least faith goes beyond just a set of morals to believe in but really like it, it informs my actions and the interactions I have with others and it informs how I carry myself in all of the different aspects of life and in the community as well. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. And when psychologists look specifically at people who have faith, the research backs that up. So people who have faith have better mental health and lower rates of depression compared to people who don't have faith. And then also in that same line, like you were saying, psychologists find that people who have faith have a greater sense of purpose and just overall higher levels of hope compared to people who don't have faith. And I think when it comes to immigrants specifically, faith can be so powerful because an immigrant is someone who has to leave their entire community and everyone that they've known to come to a place where they potentially don't know anyone. And if they have that faith community that they can be connected to, people who will support them, I think that can be really incredible. No, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think about my parents and what they went through. And a lot of immigrant families who go through these immense tests and traumas that I probably will never face or understand in my life. And I imagine it probably was a big test of their faith too, because they were being persecuted for something that they had faith in and what they believed in um and to be punished for that like that is such a test of faith but then to come out on the other end of that and hopefully find your community here um is hopefully really rewarding it's just interesting to think about all of the different elements and sides of it i guess Definitely. And it also makes me think about immigrants who come here and don't already have connections to communities and how many challenges they face because of that and how much more difficult their transition is to a new country. And I think, you know, looking on a smaller scale of just the local neighborhood that you live in, in so many cultures around the world, and I'll speak specifically about Iranian culture, People not only know all their neighbors, but people will just walk over to their neighbor's house, knock on their door, and expect their neighbor to <laughs> serve them dinner. Um, versus in American culture, I think that there's a really big emphasis on this is my space, this is my time, and it's not common practice in the culture to spend a lot of time with your neighbors. And, you know, I think about myself personally, I didn't always know who lived down the street and nor did I feel a big sense of quote unquote community in the neighborhood that I lived in. I grew up in a neighborhood that it's exactly what you were describing. Like a lot of, I didn't really know my neighbors. I didn't really have any friendships with like most of the kids in my um, neighborhood. People mostly kept to themselves and would just do their thing and come home and work and mm-hmm. go in their garages and you would never really see anybody. Mm-hmm. Whereas the neighborhood I live in now feels more like home than any other place that I've lived in, even though I wasn't wow. raised there. Mm-hmm. Just because I, it comes with its challenges, but I can talk to my neighbors. If I'm mm-hmm. having trouble with something, I can talk to them and, um, ask them for help and hopefully they feel that way about me too um so it's just really beautiful that I feel like there's 
a community just in my locality that I can rely on. Wow, I love that. And I'm really curious how you went about building the sense of community in the neighborhood that you live in now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I think there's, there's a quote in the Baha'i Faith that like really sticks to me when I think about community building and uh, the biggest piece of it, the biggest thing for me or how it goes, sorry, is that um, we can't like segregate or separate our hearts from the environment around us and say that mm-hmm. like once one of these things is fixed, the other one will improve. Um, we're, we're connected to the world in so many different ways through our environment, our society, our community, um, and we're affected by it. And in turn, we shape the environment around us. And so they're acting upon each other. So as we're thinking about how we're contributing to our community, it affects us in personal ways too. So when I think about building community, the biggest piece of it is honestly building friendships, like building true friendships that are founded in wanting the best for another person on every level, not just materially, but also like on a spiritual level too. Mm -hmm. Um, And friendships are just how we come to understand each other on different levels, whatever culture you're from or whatever background you come from. And so a lot of the work we do in the community, it's open to everyone of any different background or perspective, but it's really thinking about how are we helping the like kids in the neighborhood to have like moral and spiritual education how are like the young people in the community thinking about how they can both better themselves and their communities through service because i've noticed at least just from my experience the um schools are not really doing them justice in terms of thinking about not just their like education um from like a material standpoint but like there's just a lot of social forces that they deal with and so to have a space where you can come and like truly be supported and truly build friendships with one another. We're like, that person's got your back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's huge where it's not motivated by anything else, but like true friendship. I love that you're bringing up friendship because it's like you're saying, so integral to creating a strong community. So I'm thinking about someone who might want to build the type of community that you have in your neighborhood, what are some tangible ways they can do that? Do you literally just go up to your neighbor's door and knock and say, hi, I'm Nissa. <laughs> what's your name? Or how do you kind of go about building this? Just a couple of months ago, for example, we had an immigrant family from Afghanistan move to our neighborhood. They're like a few doors down. Um, and it was really interesting because we have we I live in a really diverse community and just a lot of families from different places. So it's really mm-hmm. it's a really interesting um, environment to be in. And this family had moved um, a couple of months ago, and um, we I noticed that they were like standing outside. And so I was kind of doing some visits with some other friends in the neighborhood, just catching up. And I kind of like walked by and I like waved and introduced myself or like I'd kind of try to say hi. Um, and then they weren't really speaking back in um, English. And so I asked like what, where they're from. And then as soon as I heard that they're from Afghanistan, I was like, oh, they must speak Dari. And as soon as I started speaking Farsi with them, like they lit up. They were mm. like, you could tell it was like the first interaction that they had had with someone who was from a similar culture and could yeah. speak their language a little bit. Um, And so it was just such a beautiful interaction and it came up so naturally just from like being outside Mm -hmm. and spending time with your neighbors and we ended up helping them out a little bit and just getting to know them and they have a few kids so it was just really sweet to like 
build that relationship in a really natural way Mm -hmm. of just being outside. That's so beautiful. And this story is such a great example of how doing a small gesture like saying hello to a neighbor can have profound effects on that person. And I'm thinking about immigrant families specifically in terms of a person who moves to a place where they don't know many people, they might not know the language and are not familiar with the culture. And then on top of that, they might also experience discrimination. And if they can enter a community that welcomes them, where they feel supported, they feel like they can go over to their neighbor's house and have a cup of coffee or ask them for their advice, that can be life-saving. Now that I'm talking with you about it, that's the biggest thing that I want for in my home like Mm -hmm. I want people to be able to knock on my door and it happens all the time now because we've like built relationships with some of the like people in our neighborhood they'll just come and knock on the door like they won't even call or anything they're like hey how's it going can Uh, I come inside I'm like yes please come in let's hang out and it's sometimes it's hard because you know you have so many different responsibilities but that is like a priority to me where I'm I'm spending time building friendships and so putting away other things that you have to do sometimes and making that your priority, I feel like it's just so valuable. That's so special. And another really important aspect when it comes to community, particularly with immigrant families and culturally diverse families more broadly, is that many times people will turn to their community for guidance on how to navigate systems like education or health or even mental health. And what's really exciting is that there's a growing number of psychologists who are starting to create and develop mental health interventions that can be used in community settings. So that way, you don't need to see someone with a PhD who charges $200 an hour to get the help that you need. And I think it's really beautiful. The work that you've done is literally creating these communities that people can tap into to provide more resources and support to immigrants. And I'm curious, after working and building these communities in your neighborhood, what's the biggest lesson you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. I think I've learned so much in the last 10 years. I think just from people I've worked alongside um, and the like, kids and junior youth that I worked with have taught me so much. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is to avoid false dichotomies in life. I think we go through different seasons of life and we have so many different responsibilities and they're going to constantly shift whether you have kids or you're working. But at the when you put service at the center, at the core of your life, I think it informs the other decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. So that's honestly been the biggest thing. And I think that's what's held, helped me keep faith at the center of everything. Um, cause it helps me set my intentions for any decision that I make or any, um, challenge that I face. Um, and honestly it's working in the community. It's really mm-hmm. hard sometimes. And sometimes it's just teaching you a lot about qualities that you need to work on. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to be more patient. I need to learn to be more kind. I need to be more loving. Um, So it it tests me constantly. And hopefully in the process, I'm learning and hopefully becoming a better human being in the process. So it's twofold. It's really cool the way it impacts you as an individual. And then hopefully you have an impact on your community as well. 
That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Nessa, for coming on the show today and sharing your experience with me. I feel so honored to have been part of this conversation and also just so lucky that we got to grow up together and experience so much of the beautiful things that you were describing today in our community. And I'm just so excited that you've continued this work and are now building the communities that we got to enjoy so much for other people. Likewise. Thank you. I feel so honored to be interviewed. (laughs) This is such a cool experience. Thank you. Intro music was written by Optin Akrami. And if you're interested in the research I referenced, you can find a complete list on our website at cyborg.info.